Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show at the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm John Zipperer, the club's vice president of media and editorial, and your co-host for today's program. Now, we hope you are staying safe and are well wherever you are, and we look forward to seeing you in person again one day when it's safe to do so at the Commonwealth Club's headquarters on the Embarcadero in San Francisco. Until that happens, we are doing all of our programs online. This is the latest in more than 400 programs the club has done online since the pandemic hit. You can find all of our upcoming programs, as well as podcasts and videos from our past programs at commonwealthclub.org. If you're watching us live on YouTube today, use the chat box to submit questions for our special guest, and we'll work some of those into our conversation. Now I want to introduce Michelle Miao. She's the producer and host of The Michelle Miao Show, and she's a member of the Commonwealth Club Board of Governors. Good to see you again, Michelle. Thank you so much, John, and thanks to the club for bringing all these incredible people together to have these thoughtful conversations. And thanks to you for joining us. He's the anonymous artist behind the honey bears that you may have seen in San Francisco. Our guest today is Finch, who creates street art and murals using multi-layered stencils and spray paint. He calls his work contemporary pop art, depicting objects from both nature and everyday life. Let's welcome Finch to the program. Finch, thanks so much for being with us. So uh, the little that we've uncovered from, you know, just basic Googling, I know that uh, you came to San Francisco back in 2011 from St. Louis. Is that where you actually grew up? Mm -hmm. Yep, I was there um, from birth till 18. Tell us a bit about your journey to become a street artist. I mean, were you into art as a kid? Did you always want to do this form of expression? I mean, how did that come about? Yeah, so I feel like everybody is an artist when they're a kid. And you get convinced that you're not by society. And so for me, I didn't think I was going to become an artist. But when I look, like there's this famous quote from Steve Jobs. He said that you you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect the dots going back. And so when I look at my life, I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I kind of was an artsy kid. And my grade school had a competition um, where you would, um, the St. Louis Symphony would put out a piece of music and then school children would have to interpret that. And then the school would send one person to the art museum in St. Louis. And so I went from my class for two years, um, which I guess, you know, di didn't really mean much to me at the time, but maybe show that I was a little bit more artistic than somebody else. But um, I really, you know, was convinced like many other people that I wasn't a very good artist because I couldn't draw very well. I still can't draw very well. Um, and there was other kids in my class who could do better Spider-Man and Batman and whatnot. Um, but I ended up getting back into it around the age of 14 because I had a friend that was sort of volunteering on a video game as um, a software engineer, and I wanted to volunteer. Um, and so I was like, well, what do you need? And they needed um, art. And so I ended up getting into digital illustration. And so that was kind of my, um, the work I'm doing today is really the same work I was doing then in some sense. It's the same tools and the same general um, approach to um illustration you know I work from photographs and things and so th those skills were just built over that time and they just continue to be here and I'm just using them in a different way now than I was then. So take us to the first honey bear and you know the inspiration behind the first honey bear and, and where was the first honey bear located? Yeah oftentimes people think they're like oh yeah the honey bear was like the first thing that you did and I think it's the first thing that you heard of that I did you know I was doing work for probably at least uh, maybe six months, maybe a year before then. Um, the very first work I did in, in the public space was in DeBose Park, and the city has painted these 
um, dog walker stencil to show where your dogs are on leash. And so I just took the dog and I swapped it out and they had like a lumpy German Shepherd and I stuck in a poodle um, and thought it was funny. And I ended up doing all the dogs in the, in the park. Um, and then I needed something else to, I thought I, could, I would be the dog walker guy. And so I started looking around for other dog walkers in other parks and I just couldn't find any. So then I had to sort of branch out into other things. And the honey bear came out, you know, I wish there was like a more, uh, like a lightning bolt type moment. Um, I saw one, I found the image to be compelling. And, you know, at that point I was kind of just following whatever interested me. I didn't have any aspirations of being a professional artist. Certainly it was just trying to, you know, engage in this form of expression um, in, in a way that I, I thought I could bring something to street art and, and bring something to San Francisco that I wasn't really seeing. And so, um, yeah, I just painted it. The very first one was on a park wall um, in Noe Valley um, on, I think it's Elizabeth and 24th. It was, uh, it, it was a record for me. It was painted over by the city in three days, which was the fastest I'd ever had anything painted over. Um, you know, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the, the only person, as far as I can tell, who has done work illegally in a public park and had it be permitted to stay um, for many years. Um, I think the city sometimes thinks that I was commissioned to do these things or whoever's maintaining the parks. Um, you know, I think it's a testament to the fact that the work, you know, it's not um, destructive, it's intended to be additive. But uh, Noe Valley likes to keep its neighborhood extremely clean. But in those three days, there was just such a tremendous response to the work. I'd kind of walk by and just watch people. And, you know, people were really uh, engaged by it in a way that, that they hadn't been maybe in my previous works. And so then I was like, okay, well, maybe I should paint another one of these and sort of pull on that string. And then um, here we are. It's kind of interesting. It sounds like it was almost a, a random choice of, a, of a, an, an image to, to do. And yet it, it's one that people like. I mean, they, they, it makes them feel good. It's not, I don't think people are looking at it and think, oh, vandalism. They, they look at that and say, they might think, what does it mean or something? But it's also, it's a happy symbol of something. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, I, I say that my art practice has like kind of two core tenets that I go for. And um, one of them is to bring art uh, to the 95% of people that don't go to art museums. And the other is to change people's perceptions of public space. And so I, because the honey bear is an image that people like, um, I can then use it as a tool to get you to question things or accept things, right? You're not saying, oh, well, this is just vandalism on this mailbox um, and it should go away and there should be nothing on the mailbox. What you actually say is, oh, I like that. Well, why is it on a mailbox? Could a mailbox be canvas for art? Maybe we should have a program with the Postal Service to paint on our mailboxes or our utility boxes or on our park walls or on our garages or, you know, whatever. And so to me, oftentimes, um, you know, the, the medium is what I'm experimenting with and, you know, trying to put art into new places and get people to again, view public space in a different way. Um, and, and so having such like a, a happy, positive image is just like a tool to accomplish that. Yeah, I too struggled with this thought um, you know, just coming across the honey bears, but then doing some more research about you that, uh, you know, there's a difference between vandalism and art. And, uh, I was trying to even have that argument with myself, but you did bring up, you know, the fact that San Francisco has a pretty, or had a pretty strict, you know, uh, policy around, uh, street art or what, what you could do in terms of public space, private space. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and just kind of the, um, what you brought up in your campaign to say that, you know, what we can do in public and private spaces when it comes to art? Yeah, I think that there was just a big backlash against graffiti. 
and and they threw out the baby with the bathwater to some degree, right? And so, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of most graffiti. You know, I think some people who do graffiti are trying to make art, and I would just call them street artists, even if they call themselves graffiti writers. Um, but I think a lot of people are just, you know, trying to destroy things, and they make the community worse to be in. Um, and so, in an effort to clamp down on that, they just really got serious about there not being anything anywhere, and and. You know, to me, the difference between street art and graffiti is one of intentionality. If you think that you are making art, if you are trying to make art, um, if you are thinking about what the person who is observing this is feeling and thinking, and as far as I'm concerned, you're a street artist, I don't need any more kind of qualification than that. And so, you know, th there's lots of places where this manifests. And uh, one of the ones that's, you know, um, you know they, they paint over all the utility boxes every single day, or at least they used to. And so if something goes up at midnight, then it's gone by, you know, noon the next day. Um, one of the ones they did a whole campaign about was actually um, stickers. So uh, San Francisco has special language in its definition of graffiti that is different from California um, as a whole, and um, certainly America as a whole, or many parts of the world, that says that graffiti, you know, it's, it's a mark that is, you know, drawn or painted or etched or inscribed. And then there's also this language that is affixed or applied. And a fix and applied all of a sudden starts to cover uh, wheat paste, which is a very non-destructive form of street art where you basically apply um, artwork on paper with a wallpaper paste, and it counts stickers, which is artwork potentially that is um, held on with an adhesive. And so all of a sudden now you've taken something from an infraction where you get a ticket if you're caught doing it uh, to a misdemeanor. Um, and if damages are great enough, uh, it takes it to a felony. And that just seems completely absurd to me. And um, sticker art is one of the many forms of culture that I appreciate. And, you know, I feel like it, it, it will be okay if our, you know, the, the poles that hold up the no parking signs, like, you can just let those go. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, you can just put stickers on them, they'll pile up, you know, it, we're, society is not going to crumble, you know, like, it, it's going to actually allow people to come into art and into public art in this really accessible way, like, you can see in the slideshow at some points that I'm not painting murals that are 50 feet tall. You know, not everyone has the capability to do that, um, can get together the funds to do that, can get permission to do that, but really anybody, even a very young child, can take a little sticker and draw something with a Sharpie and put it up in a public space. And I think that um, is something we should encourage uh, and not discourage. In all of your, your I don't know, projects, or, or each time you've gone out and done this, have you ever, been stopped? Have you ever almost been stopped? Have you ever been caught? Have you ever been fined? I mean, yeah, um, no, I, I've um, I've never been detained, arrested, um, anything like that. You know, I've occasionally had conversations with um, residents while, while I'm doing work, um, mostly positive in nature. You know, people. You know, you, I, I used to be. Um, maybe this is just a fun story to tell. So, so I used to go out super late at night, like four in the morning, to do the work. You know, I don't like being up that late. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll start backing back and backing back. And at one point, this is still when I was doing the dog walker pieces. I was doing one, and I had this idea of doing um, a Picasso dog. So Picasso did a series of one-line paintings, where he, or one stroke. He put it down, and he'd move it, and he'd lift the paintbrush. And so he did a dachshund. And so I'm there, and I have a spotter at this point who's kind of watching out. And so um, I'm painting, and also my spotter's like, somebody's coming. At this point, I'm sort of like pot committed. I've come too far. And I wasn't very good at painting back then, so I had all these trash bags I would lay out to make sure I didn't overspray the stencil. And this person, um, you know, my spot was like 30 seconds. And I was like, a paint, 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 15 seconds. Fold, 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 pop up. And I pop up, and this person is right in front of me. 
And I've been fearing this moment for a while. I'm thinking they're going to tackle me and call for citizen's arrest, you know, and hold me down with some other neighbor, call for the cops. And, and basically, I didn't know what to do. And I just said, Picasso? And the guy was like, awesome. And then he's like, walked around me and just walked away. And I'm like, this is this moment that I've been building up in my head, thinking that like, the reality of it is that people by and large like the work that I do. And people by and large want to live in a city that has street art. People don't want to live in a city where people are wantonly destroying private and public property. People don't want to live in a city where things are being defaced, but people do want to live in a city where arts and culture kind of exist in these, you know, fringy spaces. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the cool of a city like San Francisco and, and, and people don't want to lose that. And so there's a lot more public support for this. And I think people, like, even though, like I define street art as being illegal public art. So, so I think it's, it's a mural um, or some other form of expression if it is permitted. At this point, most of the work I do is of that variety. Um, but, but I think people, you know, I think we think of San Francisco, we're like, we sad if there, were, if there weren't people who are going out and doing that kind of work. I liked what you said in an interview, which is, um, you know, part of the work that you do is uh, to let people know that, you know, it's okay to be happy. And I think for, you know, a few years, I guess the last few years that I'd been in San Francisco, I mean, even if you felt happy, you felt anguish for a lot of reasons, maybe political reasons, maybe all the stuff that we were going through, right? But I admit seeing the honey bears or seeing your artwork really did make me happy. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. Let's uh, segue to the, you know, being anonymous and you know, the decision to do so and, and kind of you're telling this story about um, you know, someone potentially turning you in, you, you know, um, but yeah, why, why be anonymous? Is it because we're using public spaces? Yeah, so when I started, every single piece was illegal, right? All 2013, all 2014, all 2015. Um, and so signing my legal name to it just didn't seem like a reasonable idea. Um, some people do. There's an artist named Jeremy Novi, who's sort of famous for the koi fish on the sidewalk. Um, he's sort of like the godfather of San Francisco street art. Uh, his name is Jeremy Novi. Like, you know, he signs it with his name. And um, I think that's uh, bold and brave and, and cool. And, um, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know, I kind of want to keep my head down. And, um, and, and then what ends up happening is it's just path dependent at that point. It's like, you can only take the mask off once. Once you do it one time, there's one photo on the internet, then, then that's it. And so I've hit several junctions where I'm like, you know, I don't really know if it's serving me anymore. And it's, it's a bit annoying. Um, like maybe I should, and then, you know, it, it, over time it sort of evolved as to why I do it. And now it kind of, I like it for option value where it's just, you know, I, um, I didn't think I'd get back into doing street art in San Francisco. And then I did last year um, in a really major way. I started putting up all those bears and the masks on the board ups. And so here I am again doing work that's not legal. Uh, low damage, um, sure. Uh, enjoyed, sure. Um, but, you know, again, I, I didn't necessarily want to put my face on, on that. Um, and, and also, you know, I, th there are people who both really like my work, people who really don't like my work. And I don't necessarily want to um, be randomly interacting with either of those camps, if I can be honest. Um, you know, I'm happy to interact with people, you know, in, um, you know, through social media or through email or at art shows and things. Um, but there's times where I just kind of want to, you know, put around and do my thing. Um, nor do I want someone who doesn't like my work to, you know, come up to me and express that in, in their own way. Um, and so, yeah, it, it seems like a, you know, it's working for now. I, I don't think it's going to work forever. Um, you know, I, um, you'll hear um, 
more reasons as to why will emerge in the arc of time, but but at at some point it's not going to work anymore, and then that'll be that. But in the meantime, you know, I haven't just really felt comfortable enough to be like, okay, you know, I'm ready to make this irreversible decision. One of our uh, viewers writes, uh, "The honey bears have made my year." Um, you you talked about you know doing these on like the board and 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 it was. I suppose in cities across the country where this has happened, but in San Francisco being such a dense city where a lot of your life is lived outside of your tiny apartment and things. So you're, you're seeing your, your commercial corridors, your downtowns just within a matter of a couple of weeks. It's like they went from looking like normal places to, you know, you think there are going to be protections against riots or something. Um, of course you, you did one on the, the front of the Commonwealth club <laughs> Our apologies. We we had already contracted with another painter to do a BLM image, which uh, he has covered it up with. Um, so our our apologies, but we we took photos of it because we thought it was really cool. Um, but it, it's been neat to see that you know some some of these businesses have put plexiglass over your your honey bears to protect them and, and things. That's that's got to make you feel good. You know how how long does it take you to do one? I, you know one of the not one of the giant ones, but you know, kind of one of these one-offs in, in front of a business. Yeah, when, when I got started, all the work I was doing was stencil-based. So it was all spray-painted, and that was really quite labor-intensive. And so to paint the ones, I spent all 2015 painting them on mailboxes, and I had to develop many techniques and tricks to not get caught doing it. But I'd go out for about three hours. I'd do about five of them, and I would lap past the same location multiple times because you to add up all the layers. And then it wasn't, um, you know, if I had come up in, Los Angeles, there, there's a lot more of a culture there of street art. And so people are much more likely to pass information between each other. Um, we've definitely seen a, a really big resurgence in San Francisco. And so this is much more prevalent now. But back in 2013, um, there weren't a lot of people um, doing sort of work necessarily. And so I didn't even know about wheat paste really until I think I started doing it maybe two years ago. And now that I know about it, like the ones in the image right, right, right now on brass tacks, um, those go up in about, I don't know, 45 seconds. They're just, they're made in advance on paper. And you just take this wallpaper paste and you paste it on the wall, you put the thing up, you paste over it, you smooth out all the bubbles, and then you're gone. And so that really allowed me to, to take this work much broader. And I was sort of in a position when the pandemic hit where, you know, there's some amount of work to prep these things, you know, they're printed and then they're cut. Um, but at that point, I already had a small team of people who were working for me and so I was just like, go make me 50 of them. And then, you know, three times a week, I would go out and then just boom, 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 start to put them up. And so I was sort of in the right position to, you know, both with where my work was sort of developed enough to, to do something compelling and prepared enough to take advantage sort of of the, of the just explosion of, of canvas that we had. Speaking of the pandemic, I mean, San Francisco uh, and all of our cities around the country, right? But um, has has suffered greatly. The restaurants closing, people out of work, our our nightlife, you know, our culture, uh, kind of you know, definitely very negatively impacted. But the honey bears did do something during the pandemic to help a little bit. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So I started doing those bears and those masks, and I didn't think anyone was going to want to remember this time. I thought we we're just going to, you know, all have like a collective like oh, we have the before times and the after times. We don't talk about the in-between. But people started asking me, like, hey, can I buy one? Um, can I buy one? Because sort of the, the bread and butter of my art practice um, from, like, how I make a living is I paint paintings, um, um, typically into wood. And 
you know, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, when enough people start asking, I, I listen. I'm like, well, it just feels really, um, it just wouldn't feel at all good to sell them and not somehow use this as an opportunity um, to raise money for good causes. So, so that was part of it. The other part of it were these masks. I, um, I have a collaborator um, named uh, Stockhausen, and I go into the studio early on, and he's selling masks. And this is back when you couldn't get masks. If you could get them, they certainly were not attractive. And so he um, has a background in fashion design, was making what, what I thought were very comfortable, fashionable, and actually quite effective masks. Um, this one has a removable filter. This is when it was like illegal to buy an N95. Um, and so you know, there's all this research going on and holding shop towels and sewing them and all these engineers trying to figure out, well, how do we do equivalent things? And so I was like, hey, um, if I just put honey bear fabric on that, um, could we sell them for charity? And, and so that was the first fundraiser I did. And so the mask went 100% to charity. And then the, um, the paintings, uh, half of all the sales I did um, went to charity. And I did the half because um, you know, I have employees to support and payroll and rent and, and all these things. And so that feels like a, a sustainable number. And that went way better than I could have expected. So I think the very first fundraiser, I donated over $100,000. And the, the, the blows my mind, I still don't really know how to understand it because only 1% of artists actually earn $100,000 in a year. And so to, to donate that much became an amount where I was like, holy smokes. Um, and so that first fundraiser, we targeted two uh, different nonprofits, both entirely focused on local. Uh, one is called the Safety Net Fund. It's just doing direct cash transfers to artists and performers who are out of work. So, you know, you give them money that is pass it on um, to out of work um, artists. And the other is called SF New Deal. And they basically are paying restaurants to make food and then giving that food through community groups to those in need. And so this supports the restaurants and it supports those in need um, and also puts the community groups in the position to do what they do best, which is, you know, try to figure out how to help their community. Um, and so that ended up being kind of the, um, you know, I had done philanthropic work in previous years. Um, I did uh, Smokey Bear raising funds for um, the victims of the wildfires. I did the Pink Pussy Hat Bear for Planned Parenthood um, when they, um, when Trump cut their budget um, some number of years ago. I think it was maybe 2017. And um, but but really this is at a different kind of a scale. And so I ended up being like, well, that that, that worked. And so I ended up doing like a sequel to that. And then I ended up targeting other. I did um, a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter causes, and I did one for the LGBT Center, and um, I did one for St. Anthony's, uh, which um, serves 2,500 meals a day uh, to those in need. And, um, and so, yeah, this is becoming a, a really core part of my practice, and I'm having conversations with different people right now trying to figure out how to do this to the best of my ability. Um, you know, it's, it's actually very challenging. In some ways, the more you give, the more people come to you asking for things and trying to balance my own priorities and what's good for my studio. Um, but also I feel like I'm the flexibility of the bear as an image makes it actually um, really ideal for this sort of work, much more ideal than a lot of other artists' work might be. And so therefore I'm in this sort of unusual position um, where, where I believe I have a better opportunity than most to do this sort of work. And so therefore I don't want to reject that as, as a proposition. And so um, stay tuned for more fundraisers. I have the next one planned. Um, already. Um, I won't announce it here, but it's someone that uh, you know, Michelle. Um, it's sort of the head of this organization. So, so you uh, have stuff coming up. Uh, some One of our audience members asks, how can we buy more honey bear face masks? Are they still available? And if so, where would people go? So unfortunately not. Um, it turns out that sewing masks is not core to what I want to do with my life. And so we ended up doing a second release 
Um, and actually, one of the things really cool is somebody wore one on the um, Florida town hall with Joe Biden. So I, it was on national TV. And um, Joe Biden is at least um, now our president, ha, um, has now seen a honey bear, um, at least from a distance, uh, which is cool. But so we hired an out-of-work artist to sew, and she kind of worked um, full-time on it for know, a month or two. And she had schoolwork to get back to, and our interest just wasn't there, honestly. And, you know, running uh, like a cut-and-sew facility in the middle of San Francisco is just not what I wanted to do. So the ones that are out there, are out there. I mean, we didn't make that many in total. I think we made maybe 300, 400. Um, but because all the money went to charity, um, and in the second batch, we paid for her wages and the materials, and then all the rest went to charity. Um, you know, we were selling them for over $100. Because I'm like, this is really a donation that you're making, and then we're giving you a mask as a thank you. Um, you know, you're not, like, you're not buying a $150 mask or something. Um, and, and so, but I'm sorry, yeah, like, I just, uh, it wasn't, it's not, as, I mean, you can imagine, it's not fun to do. Um, and some of the, uh, you know, pictures that we have of the, the your artwork, we can tell that, you know, the bears, at least, they're not, con they're not confined to just San Francisco. They've gone global. Um, you know, is that like part of, is that part of your plan, like to, to make happiness worldwide for other people to enjoy? Yeah, I mean, at some point, it's, um, if people like it here and it makes them happy here, I don't see why it wouldn't make them happy somewhere else. And, you know, if it's, um, the image can be very adaptable. So the first meal I did in Chicago had like a Kanye bear and the Cubs bear and had like a um, cast iron pan bear, which is kind of an homage to their food scene. And so, you know, it's trying to basically flex it into that environment um, and be something that the local community would appreciate. Um, I'm a really bad millennial and I don't like to travel as much as most of my peers do. Um, and so I'm not like chopping at the bit to get on the mural circuit. And, you know, I know of muralists um, and have met muralists that don't have an apartment. They just put their stuff in storage and hit the road and just live on the road. That's not at all what I want to do. So I, I don't, don't expect that from me. I expect to spend 80% of my time here. But like anyone, I'm, I'm traveling around, you know, anyway, I have friends in other cities. You know, I, I do like to go places, you know, so I was in Europe last year for a wedding. And um, so, you know, we just popped through Florence on the way home and did a bunch of street art. Um, that was actually quite well received. I'm still seeing photos of it. Sure, but also I get to meet the local artists there sometimes. Um, you know, there's like an underground railroad of street artists. And so um, oftentimes it's like I, you know, we know each other through Instagram or something. And, and so um, but we get a chance to meet and talk shop um, and they can kind of show you, okay, well, these spots are good and these spots aren't good and kind of adapt you to the local um, community and culture and um, yeah, no, no, it's it's a fun thing to do, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's slowly it's slowly going. You know, I've been um, I've been in Hong Kong, I have some pieces in Tel Aviv, and then St. Louis, Chicago, Lafayette, Indiana, Miami, uh, you know, Los Angeles. Uh, that's probably about it. Oh, I'm slowly expanding out um, Brooklyn. One of our audience members asked, uh, they would like to know if the honey bear hunt is still active. So yes. first, what is that? And second, is it still active? Yeah, so the honey bear hunt basically came from, I was doing these pieces on these board ups um, and people started requesting, oh, can you put one on my house? And I was like, oh, that's interesting because when it, you know, the, the board ups are only in certain areas and, um, and houses can get out sort of more into the community in a different way. 
Um, and so I put up a poll and a bunch of people responded way more than I could do. Most people started responding from way further away than I could reach. And so I had this idea of putting um, together, uh, called the honey bear hunt. And basically um, we would make a honey bear on paper. We would send to you in the mail. Um, we would sell it almost at cost, um, you know, to try to promote the spread of this. And you'd you, you would tape it up in your window and it would last for the duration of the pandemic, which I thought would be shorter at the time I started doing this. Um, here we are uh, uh, still. Um, but um, yeah, so that proved uh, a lot more popular than I expected. I expected to ship about like 500 of them and put up a map. At this point, we've shipped probably 18,000 of them. Um, and we shipped them to all 50 states. I had to twist the arm of Wyoming to make that happen. Um, but all the other 49 happened on their own. And we're in five continents now. Um, the map is currently not um, up. I'm going to relaunch in the next few days uh, because I basically this is a reboot where people, you know, I, I, you know, I thought the end of the pandemic would happen sooner. Um, and so people had them up and then they took them down after six months or nine months. So that kind of was out of date. But um, I still have the kits on my website, um, store.finch.com. You know, they're $18. We send them out twice a week. And um, you can tape them up in your window and um, kind of join in on, on the game. You mentioned earlier, you know, so, some causes or issues that are included in your artwork, for example, Black Lives Matter or working with the LGBTQ Center. And so I was wondering, you know, just kind of uh, with your artwork, while a lot of it centers around being happy, if there are parts of it that you personally, you know, put um, your, your, your mind or your thoughts into it. So, you know, I know for a lot of artists kind of you express yourself through your art and what's happening and, you know, political issues kind of influence that. And so wondering if you'd touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So this is the thing I wrestle with and is evolving. What I mentioned early on is that oftentimes the medium I'm using is political and therefore the message is not. So putting artwork onto federal property on a mailbox is in some ways a political statement, right? About the use of public space um, and you know the need for public art and access to art for everybody, not just for some rich elite. And so therefore, if the message itself were political, then, sorry, if, if the image were political in nature, then it could actually could jeopardize the, the politics I'm actually attempting to accomplish with this task. So, so there's, there's certainly some fair amount of that. And just, I feel like getting artwork to people, it doesn't sound like a political thing, but you know, I've looked at the numbers from at least eight cities and 5% of people going to the art museum seems to be a pretty, pretty normal number. And so we just don't have people with fine art in their everyday life. That being said, things come up where I feel like, again, like with the um, fundraising, I also have to find myself in a position where maybe I can do something something that I care about. And so that is where it gets a little more tricky. Now, I would like to say that none of these images are political in nature, that we should support the rights of the LGBT community. Um, that, is that political? Like it's, to me, it's only political if half of people think it's not true. Um, you know, um, do black lives matter? Yeah. Like, so to me, like, you know, it's, it's not political, right? It's, it's just, this is mostly me being like, look, I'm here. I hear you, I see you, I'm standing with you, the bear is standing with you, right? Um, I don't believe that I really have an ability to convince anybody of anything. Um, there are certainly things that I believe personally that would be controversial, things where half of people 
wouldn't believe those things, right? And it, I just don't feel like it's my um, job at this point to try to push those things on people or try to change, you know, um, to, to push the culture in that way. I'd, I'd rather, you know, kind of ease it along. But, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, again, I, I just don't think that it's political to support the LGBTQ plus community. It seems like a pretty, just a, this is basically human decency things, not, um, you know, like basic human rights, not, not some like avant-garde, you know, and like if I was doing it in um, Iran, um, it would be political, right? Um, you know, there are still places where there's a death penalty um, for sodomy, right? And so that's, um, but um, in, it, heretofore, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm mostly doing it, you know, in my community to show people that, you know, you feel like you're under assault and things can happen on the national world stage where you feel like you're under assault and be like, at least here in your community, um, you know, you should feel safe to some degree. As you have, you know, kind of become ubiquitous, at least with the honey bears in San Francisco and you've gone global with it. Um, are there finch copycats? Are there fake honey bears? Is there counterfeit honey bear black market out there somewhere? Um, don't give anybody ideas. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, not, um, strangely enough, I've seen a couple. There actually was one in Kosovo, which was really crazy. Um, I get some weird Facebook message that they're clearly putting through Google Translate. That I can't even understand what they're saying. Uh, but it was a pretty, actually, good copy. Um, you know, I have things where businesses, um, you, you know, steal the artwork to promote their products and brands. Um, it's pretty normal for anybody. But there's nobody really um, attempting to do sort of like, very exact duplicates at this point. Um, I'm putting plans in place for when that starts to happen. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, right now, um, I'm still kind of flying a bit under the radar. I, I think because I don't interact with a lot of the traditional fine art world, um, you know, I, I kind of, um, yeah, I, I still fly um, a lot more under the radar than I think people expect. Hey, look, it's the mayor. <laughs> the LGBT uh, center, the LGBTQ center in San Francisco. Um, so speaking of, you know, notable people like the mayor and folks who've taken pictures with the honey bears, uh, can you give us, you know, maybe a, a few more names of folks who've come by? I mean, I think, I mean, people love to take pictures with them and post them on their social media. Yeah, this was the um, kind of the genius idea of um, a publicist I worked with named Mark Rhodes that it's, if Pride was going to be, if the Pride Parade was going to be canceled, that maybe we could do something distributed um, around Pride. And so he sort of organized a campaign to get people to take photos in front of, he helped, he helped me get this, this mural, which I'm very proud of, which is on Delphi Center on Market and Octavia. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people came by. Um, Scott Wiener came by, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Mark Leno came by. Um, uh, Sister Roma came by. Uh, Miss Moore came by. Um, so just a lot of kind of community leaders. Um, Manny came by. Um, my friend Adam Swig came through. Uh, you know, it seems like there's this, there's been a constant wife um, uh, from the ballet uh, came through and actually sort of prompted a collaboration with the ballet that, that came out recently. Um, yeah, so it's been kind of interesting to me. Oftentimes I um, try just to meet these people because I, you know, I'm excited about what they're doing. You know, just get a chance to meet um, designers or um, politicians or whatever. You know, again, I'm, I, I try not to stay uh, trying to get involved in um, candidates and electoral politics, but um, doesn't mean that, you know, I, again, 
it doesn't mean I don't have opinions, um, right? Uh, and and then sometimes it's like it doesn't even matter. Like it's the mayor. Like that's just cool, you know. Like it, you know, oh, like cool. I want to say hi to the mayor, you know. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's been a really great, uh, great project, and it's been a great way to kind of, you know, have such a visible pride mural and and get people sort of engaged. It sounds like you've got a lot going on. Just how busy are you these days? And I mean, do you have time off? How much of your time is focused on the art and how much of it is, you know, dealing with employees and rent and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I think there's, I think sometimes people think I'm a little busier than I am because I have um, a support team now. So uh, right now payroll goes to seven people of whom four are full time, which has been crazy. That's up from um, a year ago would have been three people of which one was full time, which is me. Um, right. And so, um, you know, I've been having some help for a while, but it's really become much more um, elaborate now. Um, I don't sleep as well as I used to, but I feel like very often, especially in COVID times, I'm, I'm not very calendared. Like this was on my calendar and so I'm here, but very often it's just, just big blocks of time. And so I basically just try to, there's an overwhelming number of projects that I could work on. And I'm, I'm in the fortunate position now where there's absolutely no way I could do the number of things I would want to do. But just assuming that that's just life at some point, I just try to figure out whatever is the most impactful thing I could be doing at this exact moment. Um, and then I do that thing and then I just go on to the next thing. And so par partly that's my like, I even call it like a life philosophy of, of, you know, trying not to get overwhelmed, but just, you know, to understand that like finishing projects is of crucial importance. And so I try not to get too many projects in motion and focus on just, okay, we're doing this, we're finishing it, and now we're going to go to the next one, I'm going to do that one, I'm going to finish that one, and sort of progress forward. So it's, um, yeah, I, you know, honestly, what I said from very early on, long before I even knew this could be a full-time endeavor, is that I felt like I was pulling a string, and I didn't know where it would go, but I was excited to pull it, and I feel the same way now. I, I still don't really know. There's no master plan. Um, there never was a master plan. I'm just sort of following opportunity and excitement and I have a faith that that is enough. Speaking of the future, I feel like, you know, many people are thinking about it or excited or planning even for this uh, new emergence of San Francisco. Uh, you know, let's be real. Lots of people have moved out. The city's changed a bit. We're anticipating what that might look like when things get back to normal. Um, and so I'm wondering for, from Finch, the artist, you know, if you've been thinking about that and kind of what impact your artwork might have for a new San Francisco. Yeah. So um, first, I, I just want to interject a point, which is that uh, I am not sad to see the Fairweather fans leave. You know, like lower rents is just nothing but good for our community and for artists in particular who, you know, don't. Um, there is a, there's a gap between this, the value they provide to society and the um, compensation that they receive from society. And so, so I think all of that is, is good. It's easier now to find a studio than ever before. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I think that the, the death of San Francisco has been greatly exaggerated. Um, and I'm here to double down um, and keep investing in the city because I still think it's the greatest city, um, certainly in the country, if not the world. Uh, as far as what I, you know, it would be like, it'd be really nice to have an art show. Like there are certain things that, you know, I've been doing all my shows online 
And I thankfully was in a really good position where I was already releasing all my work online, even when I had art shows, because I've been self-producing my own shows uh, for years. Like I would sign a lease on a space for one week and I would go in, I would clean it up, I would hang all the work, I would do four openings, and then I would pull it all back down again and clean it up and leave. Um, even when I did that, the artwork was still available only on my website because I didn't want to take credit cards and, and do that whole sort of rigmarole. You bought it off your phone or whatever. So I was in a really good position. However, there are some things, you know, art is really, it's great to see it in person. Um, and certainly, you know, I have a fine art practice and there are ideas that I've just had on hold. Um, you know, just being like, okay, I just need to get people in front of this work and more experiential things as well or like that. You know, it's not just the visual. Sometimes you have to actually participate in, in something. And so, yeah, I've had a couple of ideas that, I mean, I have one that was pretty well baked um, and ready to go that's just literally been on hold for, for a year and a half. And so I think that's, um, that's going to come back. Um, you know, yeah, all sorts of, you know, because people want to gather, people want to be part of a happening, right? And so they, they want to gather around things like arts and culture. Um, I also think that the board, up, the board ups have caused a proliferation of street art because we have these sort of less cared for spaces. And there are more active street artists now than there have been in the 10 years that I have been here. And so uh, when the board ups go down, we're going to lose that. And hopefully, what I'm hoping happens is people are like, well, I feel I've lost something and that motivates me to try to replace it, um, say, with a mural on my house or a mural on my business, right? Like, I don't see any reason why every single, you know, non-historic, like crazy historic house or all glass place, like there are opportunities everywhere to have art. It's not just the board ups, it's your staircase, it's your garage, it's, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, um, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that, that this resurgence continues um, and, you know, we're just gonna pull it out. Could bring a whole new meaning to the term painted ladies. They could be painted with something completely different. Um, one of our audience members, well, this ties back to what you're talking about earlier with your connections and contacts with other street artists and kind of the street art community in other cities. Um, do you collaborate? Have you ever actually done a collaboration on a, on a specific project or would you? Um, yeah, so I, um, I have. I mean, I did in my latest show, I did a collaboration with Jeremy Novi. I mentioned earlier, he has a sort of iconic koi fish design. And so we did a collab piece where I did a koi as an homage to his, and he did his koi, um, I packaged that. Um, I had a piece very early on, there's an artist named Cameron Moberg. Um, he goes by Camera One, who I have mad respect for. He grew up here and as a graffiti writer. And so we did a collaboration mural. Um, you know, I'm oftentimes looking for opportunities to do things like this. Um, I'm not like, um, I'm not seeking to make some very large percentage of the work that I do collaborative in nature. Um, oftentimes because I just, um, it's, it's kind of can be tough to work things in. Like I produce photorealistic renderings um, for people to get them comfortable with what I'm gonna paint in advance. And also I try to move at a pretty fast speed with this stuff. Like you're sort of, you're not rewarded for spending time on, you know, like months and months on a project. Um, you know, so oftentimes I'm like, so I'm like, hey, I, 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 I want something and they have no budget or low budget. I'm like, cool, I can make this happen, um, you know, if I can move at a certain pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, there certainly are collaborative projects that I um, would like to do and more will come up in the future. Okay, what's your personal life like as an anonymous artist? I mean, you know, just uh, going places, making friends or meeting new people. I don't know if you date or, or you know, 
you know, all that stuff. But like when people, oh, married. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I guess, well, you know, what, what are your friends and family and all that stuff? What, what's it like to be Finch personally? Yeah. So um, I don't think my life is that unusual. Um, you know, I, I'm extremely forthright, you know, when I'm, when I go to a party and people ask, what do you do? Which is the San Francisco question. Um, I say, Oh, I do street art. Have you seen the honey bear or whatever? And for many years, you know, I would ask people, well, like, whereabouts do you live? And I try, try to triangulate like the closest mural. And I'd be very surprised that um, sometimes there'll be a mural like one block over and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, clearly you're looking at your phone and you're not looking up at the world. Um, you know, I haven't been to a party in a long time. Certainly, um, I have more visibility now than I um, did before 2020. And so maybe now people will know my work when I go to a party. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think people generally are interested. It's not a very common thing that people do. You know, I'd say like a lot of the people I interact with are the people you expect to interact with in San Francisco. Like I'm basically like a young professional. So I meet doctors and lawyers and software engineers and, um, you know, people like that. Um, and people oftentimes are fascinated. Well, like, how do you feed yourself? Like, how does this actually work? Um, and so I'm kind of trying to educate people and, and to try to get them engaged. Um, you know, I have another community of actual artists I hang out with that I've met through my art, which is um, great. Though they're, uh, you know, they, they understand those things. And we, we talk shop maybe more strategically there about, okay, well, how, how do we make this work? What's now, you know, how do we eat? Um, yeah, but I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think there's anything that unusual about how I live my life. You know, I have a dog. Um, I, I walk him. You know, we hang out. I, um, I have family. I see them. You know, I'm pretty engaged with my family. My father's actually helped me paint murals. I think maybe five cities now. And he's been on my build crew for Burning Man um, three times. Um, and so we get to engage in that way. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't think my life is really any different um, than, than a lot of people's. Uh, someone asks, is the 20 foot, 23 foot tall standalone honey bear still east of Alamo Square? No, it is currently down and it will, it, 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 it is now gone. So it, uh, it was 28 feet tall for the record. It's actually the one that's in the photo. Um, I don't know if it's down below for you, it's down below for me. Um, and yeah, it was never intended to last because it's made of wood. Um, it's actually made of something much, much uh, worse for the elements than wood. It's basically um, like sawdust compressed sawdust, so it dissolves in water. And, um, you know, it's up for a little bit, and then now it's, uh, it's not, and it'll, it'll end up being recycled. And, uh, you know, that's the... How, are you, how will you feel if in, like, 20 years ago, I don't know, I'm just making up a year, uh, you find someone has preserved one of your honey bears of some sort, and it's worth, you know, $100,000 or something like that, both as a, as a, as a symbol of public art, as... as as a, a, a symbol of this weird, freakish time, moment in time that we are at. I mean, what's that going to feel like? Uh, um, that'd be really great. You know, I mean, the idea that my art, like when somebody plexied over one of my pieces to preserve it, I was like, that happens to Banksy. And does it happen to anybody else? I was like, that was like a moment of being like, wow, people actually value what I'm doing. And, and I've also started to see people like reselling my work, which... I don't necessarily want them to do. I want them to, if you want to buy a painting for me, you should buy it and enjoy it. Um, you know, there shouldn't be some kind of a financial um, tr transaction or, or it's transaction, but it's not like an operation. Um, that being said, if people are, you know, people are willing to, um, 
to do that. That's sure that people that people value it. Um, that's yeah. Obviously, that's that's um, that's great. I mean, I, I hope I hope that like, I didn't get into this for that, um, but certainly if people value my work that much, that presents a lot of opportunities for me. Sometimes people say, you know, well, people are like, oh, well, you know, you now make money making art. I'm like, there are a lot better ways to make money than art. Like, let me tell you. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and I have a degree in mathematics um, from Stanford. You know, it's like, I have other, like I have some technical skills. There's, there's way easier ways to make money than this. Um, and so to me, it's like, I make the money to make the art. Like that, that sculpture that was down there before, the 20 foot tall bear, I paid every dollar of that thing, you know, to, to buy the materials, to paint it, to bring it to Burning Man, to bring it back, to put it up across in the, you know, and so it's like, well, I can't just do that, um, you know, out of thin air. Um, and then additionally, it's, it's more like when you've reached some level of recognition, you start getting, people start reaching out to you with opportunities to do something that's larger and, and, and more compelling. So, so, you know, I'm, it, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I would like that to be the case. Um, you know, I don't make any promises to anybody. I'm just here to do the best I can. And, and it's, it's very, certainly gratifying that people appreciate the work. And I, I, I hope they, I hope I can get to do this uh, on, um, until I die. Um, that would be, that's plan A, is just keep going. Um, so I hope it works. Well, we're, we're right there with you as big fans. I mean, you brought up Banksy. And so I was, I was re trying to refrain from bringing up Banksy just because I think you're, you're San Francisco's treasure. You're our Finch. Um, you know, this is a thing. Um, if you could, if there's one spot in San Francisco that you've not put up an installation that you really want to, is there a spot? Do you have an idea? Um, yeah. So actually the LGBT center was one of those spots for a long time. And I was like, this is, you know, there's no mural here. There hasn't been a mural ever. It's only been out like a hundred years. Like, it's just so crazy. Um, yeah, I guess if anybody is listening, uh, the Terra Gallery um, it has a wall that is absolutely epic that I would love to paint on. Um, they actually just trucked a house down the street that I was looking at um, on Franklin. Um, that, there was another epic wall. I think that's the one that they literally moved because it's, it's gone. Um, either that or they bulldozed it. Um, I'm trying to think offhand if I can just come up with another couple of names in case someone is listening. I mean, the goal, like, what I would like to do is to do a honey bear on a skyscraper. So if you have a giant blank flat wall, um, the largest I've gone is 28 feet. And so I can definitely go bigger. I, you know, um, I could go arbitrarily large. So, so, um, so, so yeah, but I don't know if I can off the top of my head, pick another. I don't know. Sal Salesforce towers. Is that even possible? It's all glass is the problem. So yeah, this is why Eastern Europe is such a, such a, um, a mecca for public art because those kind of Stalin-esque communist like concrete bunkers have just no windows on the side. And so people, they're just like a dime a dozen out there and people just do the most incredible art on them. Um, and so there was some of that, you know, the city survived the seventies and its architecture. And so you can sometimes find these just like perfect flat beige walls. I will say one thing, that I would love to see at some point, um, but I have no particular emotions on this point, is the proliferation of display ads in public space is pretty incredible. And there's no trade there. You know, I trade being subjected to advertisements in order to get Google for free. I'm trade being able to connect to my family and loved ones on Facebook for being subjected to advertisements. I don't get anything 
for seeing your giant billboard or giant banner. And a lot of the best walls in San Francisco are basically, they're, they're, they just apply these vinyls to the sides of these buildings. And um, some cities, um, I think Marin is one of them, and Sao Paulo is another, uh, ban it. And to say, no, like, this is a blight on our public space. And whenever people get upset with about public art, oh, is it going to, you know, people are going to be upset. I'm like, there's a giant McDonald's ad right there. Like, it's in your face. And we just have gotten, like, dead-eyed zombies to it, right? And it's like you cross the bridge coming to San Francisco, and you're just inundated with this imagery. And for what? I mean, so that somebody else, somewhere else, like, you don't get any, there's no trade. It's not paying for public transit. It's not paying for our roads. Um, and so you see a lot more mural walls of tippy top quality. You could get rid of those advertisements. So what is the best way if some organization say, oh, I don't know, the Commonwealth Club wanted to do a project with you? Do they get in touch with you directly or do you have an agent or how does, who should? Yeah, so th there's a hello at Finch.com. Um, I have a person who reads that because a lot of stuff comes through it. And um, every Monday we meet and talk about what's come through. And if it's like, sometimes it's like so incredible that I get a text message and it's like, oh, you better check this out right now. Um, you know, and so I'm like, oh, cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I try to be, you know, the wheels of Finch grind very slowly, but they grind very finely. And so, you know, typically things are seen and read and processed, you know, but I said before, I can only do so much. And one of the challenges I have is like, when I'm working on a project, I'm just ignoring everything else. Like sometimes I'm emails and like, I'm like, you're two projects in the future. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I'm totally focused on this thing and I'm going to finish it um, and, and then move on to the next thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to be here for a very long time. And so I'm just, again, trying to pick cool projects and work with you know, cool organizations and make cool stuff happen. They, they sound like they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're working with a, a publicist, which uh, who we know very well, Mark Rhodes, especially in the LGBTQ community, works with very big clients and celebrities. Um, and so what's that been like and how does that, you know, kind of change your operation? Yeah, I was, um, you know, I kept meeting Mark at events. Uh, we first met because I donated a painting to the PG&E Pride Party in like 2014 or something. And um, I said a friend that was kind of like the, um, he would call himself the ranking gay member of PG&E. And so he was a sort of like, okay, well you do this pride party. Um, and so that, that's when I met um, Mark. He didn't have any choice in having this painting up for auction. I don't think he necessarily wanted it, um, but he rolled with it. And, and yeah, I was like, I was like, do I really need this? I was like, I don't know. And basically I was like, yeah, let's try it out. Um, and that's my attitude to a lot. And it's, it's been great. Um, you know, he's really helped me get a lot of cool projects. Um, and, um, you know, increase the visibility of my work, but with many things, you know, I'm just here to try, to try things. Um, again, I'm, there aren't a lot of models for some of the things that I'm doing, which, which is one of the things I find to be very tough. Um, if anybody can introduce me to Shepard Ferry and I can get some mentorship, that would be very swell. Um, he probably has the business model that's most closely aligned with mine. Um, but you know, I, I don't know how, like what percentage of revenue should be spent on rent. I don't know, you know, um, but a lot of these things, it's like, I just kind of try my best. I'm like, is this thing a good idea? And you kind of look at like, well, what's the downside? Not that bad. Okay, cool. Like, let's try it. And something's been great and some things haven't worked. And, you know, a, a lot of what I do is that way. My goal is not to not make mistakes. It should not make the same mistake twice. Um, and so, you know, someone asked me recently, like, what pro art project do you regret? I'm like, so far I haven't made 
a serious mistake twice. So I, I don't regret anything. You know, um, it's not that I haven't made some missteps. Um, sometimes quite egregious, um, but but I'm attempting to just kind of learn and think of things. Um, let, I mean, this is kind of a, the the standard question to ask, but having come from with all the, this background where you've got very varied kind of inputs, you know, in, in your education and, and in your background, I'm just curious on, do you have any inspiration specifically on the art or other people who would be either the type of art that they've done or just the, the people and their approach to getting out, you know, public art and street art? Um, obviously, everyone thinks of Banksy, but um, uh, we think of you, so... <laughs> um, uh, sorry, can you rephrase the question? So who do I think of when I look forward to, to inspiration? Is that the question? Inspiration, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. So, so Banksy was a big inspiration. He had this, he called it a residency in New York. He did a piece every day for 30 days. He did like an audio guide along with it. And on the 30th day, he said, if this has inspired just one person to go out and make street art, it would have been a tremendous waste of my time. And so, um, you know, with the influence being on just one, you know, and to me, that was sort of like, okay, you know, like I've been given permission or some or something. Um, you know, I think aesthetically, what I do is very different from him. I think it's much more tightly tied into Warhol. Um, I also really like the color field artists like Ellsworth Kelly and Frank Stella. I think kind of the flat fields of color is is really like I'm very obsessed with color, and and I think that the can the flat fields cause some kind of an emotional response in me. Um, like that blue is so blue and it's so perfect. Um, you know, that's something I go for in in my aesthetic and spend a lot of time trying to um, trying to accomplish that. Um, and then sort of the sensibilities of the images that I look at, like every like Warhol is most famous for elevating the everyday object. Yeah, it was Jasper Johns that grabbed the beer can and sculpted it, um, but he didn't maybe run with it quite as far as Warhol did. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, and I'm, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm influenced by like um, cel-shaded art and all, all sorts of these things, like, you know, you might've seen like the Zelda game on the N64, you know, like these things all kind of swirl around and I just try to follow, my, my goal for my art is to make things that I like. I don't try to make things that other people like. I don't know how to do that. And I don't think anybody really does. I can just follow what interests me and then just get lucky, basically. And I've had, even within the bear series, um, I don't want to name the, the, the worst bears or the, not worst, but the, the least well-received. Um, but, um, but some of them have been you know, dramatically less popular than others. Even ones that I thought were just home runs. And I'm like, this is so cool. And it's like, well, I'm just gonna, gonna kind of move forward. You know? Last question for you. And, um, you know, I just want to say, gosh, you bring back this fresh breath air of San Francisco in, in a lot of ways, the radicalness around your artwork, which is when you look at it at face value, it's, it's not radical in the sense, but it feels so warm and so fuzzy and happy. Um, but you embody that and you're bringing that back. And I can only imagine that when, when people get to know you or they, they get to know your artwork, uh, lots of people will be inspired maybe to do their own artwork. So any words of advice for young people, you know, who, who want to get into doing art or thinking about it or think they're not good enough? Yeah, so um, I have a few. Um, I'll touch something that you said very briefly and I'll answer that question. I feel sometimes like like Batman, I'm, I'm not the artist maybe San Francisco wanted. I'm just the artist that it deserved. Um, and so, you know, certainly... You know, I, I embody some of the contradictions that we have in the city. You know, like I went to prep school. 
I went to Stanford, you know, I have technical skills. Um, and yet I'm trying to come at this as I want to do things that enhance the public space. I care about San Francisco. Um, you know, I want the city to be better. I want it to be healthier um, and, and, and more just. Um, and so, so yeah, so it's one of the things where like, I'm, I'm trying, I can only be who I am. Um, and I, I can only bring what I bring, you know, I just, I wake up every day and I'm still me. So, so, so this is going to be there. Um, in terms of getting out, like it's, um, there's never been a better time to be an artist, uh, maybe not in San Francisco, um, because of the high cost of living. I mentioned earlier, anytime that there's a break between societal value, um, and compensation, you're, you're, as prices go up, you're going to end up losing people. Um, teachers, I think is another really great example of, of that, where clearly they provide more value to society than they receive in compensation. Um, and so, uh, that's, that's, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, actually I do direct cash transfers from rich people to those people. That would be swell. But, um, but, but yeah, but you know, in terms of like, you, you've got Instagram, you've got, um, public space. Again, we have an enthusiasm around public art and, and to me, you know, tons of people want to get like a, a blessing from someone They come to me asking me, okay, well, can I go do this? And I'm just like, you're, you've missed the idea of street art. If, if, if you think I'm some kind of an authority, right? Even with Banksy making that comment and I mean, sort of interpreting it as like, okay, maybe I've received some blessing. Somebody obviously doesn't know me that, as far as I know, has never seen my work. Just, just being like, oh, he's kind of just like more like throwing down the gauntlet, um, you know? And, um, you know, I, I don't want, obviously you like want people to have, to like my art. And if you want a mural, I'd be happy to paint a mural. Or if you want a painting, I've been a painting. But I think we live in a pretty horrible world if all, all there were were honey bears, like that's sort of like a, the art version of hell, right? Um, and so, you know, we need these diverse voices and there's a lot of artists in San Francisco that have, you know, very different styles for me. Um, you know, there's one like Apexer, who's just really great with the spray can. Um, uh, there's a guy named Calamity Fair, who's these crazy collage pieces. And so these are all people who are doing street art. Cameron Moberg I mentioned before, Jamie Novi I mentioned before. Um, and so, so like we, we want to live in a world with diverse voices. Your voice is diverse. Um, and so, you know, in, in terms of like a lot of this stuff is just you have to get out and, and, and do it. And a lot of street artists, like those street artists that I, um, again, I'm not gonna name any, any names here, but it's like there's people who I know, who I support, whose work I don't like, simply because they come with that hustle, you know? And it's like, if you're out and you're putting up pieces, right? Like we all respect that. And that you're you're willing to put yourself out there, right? Like it's not easy to do. Like it's not easy to go down at two in the morning. It's not easy to to expose something that you created to the world for criticism um, or, or or enjoyment. And so the people when they get up, like that's sort of the the respect um, that, that you get. And you'll and you'll find that that the more that you do that, somehow the more opportunities are going to come out of it. Um, the last thing I would say actually is um, one one of the the most critical things I see people miss. Um, and I've talked about this at length and I, I'll spare you, but um, if your goal is self-actualization, if your goal is personal satisfaction, um, by all means, paint whatever it is that you want to paint um, and don't apologize for it. If your goal is to support yourself off of your art, um, do whatever you think is going to be good. And if people don't like it, it doesn't mean that you're bad. Go back to your soul, look in there, find something else and try something else. I, I see people will just get stuck on something that they think that, well, this is what my soul is and the market doesn't like it and therefore I'm somehow bad or, no, I think this is all weird, like it's, it's, um, it's that's like a fictitious construction. It's just, 
you can produce more things that are interesting and compelling. Um, you know, and so the honey bear wasn't the first thing that I painted. It wasn't the second thing or the third thing or the fourth thing. I think it was the fifth image I painted. Um, and that was the one that really stuck. And even now, the things I do, that's just totally with. And um, again, I don't regret them because I had something I wanted to get out of doing that image. Um, but, but again, I, you know, now that I have payroll and, and rent and things, I want to do things that people like. Um, and so the, the, there's a push and a pull there. And the answer isn't to pander. The answer is just to, to be willing to, to try things and to experiment um, un, un, until you really kind of like hit, hit the culture in a way that is compelling. And so I would encourage people to do that. I, I think this is the number one thing that people who are trying to become professionals get wrong. Finch, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Really appreciate you and, and thank you for, yeah, like I said earlier, you know, um, being that fresh breath of air for San Francisco. John, you have the last words. Well, thank you again, Finch, as well as everyone who's watching or listening to us online. Uh, you can find out more Michelle Miao shows at the Commonwealth Club at commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. So have a good rest of your week and a good weekend and stay safe, everyone.